Hey there, my name is Mei Ling. I'm a certified life coach and trauma-trained practitioner, and welcome to my podcast, Finding Freedom in the Hologram. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode two of season six. And this week, we are talking about the sport of swimming. Yes, swimming. And no, we're not talking about Michael Phelps. <laughs> Instead, we are talking about a remarkable man called David Burkoff. Now, David Burkoff was a former American Olympic swimmer in the late 1980s. And in reality, in the very beginning, he was actually rather unremarkable. So he did not stand out prominently at all. And when he tried to qualify for the 1984 Olympics, he didn't make the cut. But guess what? Just four years later, in the next round of the Olympics in Seoul, South Korea, he won the gold medal in the 100-meter backstroke and a silver in the 4 by 100 medley relay. How does this happen? How do you go from not qualifying the first round and then winning the gold medal in the next round? <laughs> well, David Burkhoff did something very unusual which few athletes get to do in their entire professional career. And that is, he developed his own unique technique. And in this case, for swimming, it's an underwater technique called the Burkhoff Blastoff. <laughs> I love that, right? The way it involved his last name, his family name, Burkhoff Blastoff. If you watch YouTube videos on this, you can see that this approach basically involves staying underwater longer after each turn. So what you're doing is you're reducing the drag because every time you break the surface of the water, you're increasing drag. And by reducing drag, it gave him a competitive edge. Because physically and anatomically, David Berghoff wasn't remarkable. He wasn't super tall. He didn't have a super long arm span. So he did something totally unique. Rather than trying to work harder, he worked smarter. Now, as traders, we can learn a lot from David in the way he approached the sport, his training and his mindset. So what lessons can we learn exactly? Number one, focus on the process instead of the outcome. So David Burkhoff really perfected his technique. He was thinking about a better way of doing things rather than focusing on winning races. In your case, as traders, how are you perfecting the technique? How are you actually thinking, are you perfecting your trading plan? Are you sticking to the trading plan even, right? Focus on that and your behaviors instead on whether you are winning or earning profits or not. That's number one. Number two. David developed consistent routines. He adhered to a structured training schedule. He had a schedule for specific drills to practice his technique, the turns and the starts. So as traders, think about how this can relate to you. How are you establishing a routine for yourself? Do you even have one? <laughs> or are you haphazardly thinking, oh, it's trading time, the market's open, and then you switch on your computer. Do you have a routine for how you settle into your trading morning? 
How do you know if a company has earnings? How do you know if announcements are being made? Do you have a watch list? What are you doing to watch the market? How are you preparing yourself mentally as well as physically sitting in front of the computer screen? So think about your routine for starting to trade in the morning. Third principle that David Berkhoff practiced was mindfulness and visualization. So this is really important. Whether you're a chess champion, whether you're doing a sport, whether you're doing trading, everything benefits from visualization. And with my clients, I do a very, I break it down step by step. But basically, the more vivid you can visualize a technique, the way you imagine yourself trading, carrying and executing everything perfectly, the more mentally prepared you are. You are practicing in your head. It's kind of like practicing in a sim, but even better. (laughs) Now, principle number four, handling pressure. Because David Berkhoff, you know how in the Olympics, you don't don't go straight to the Olympics, right? You have different championship races around the world, in Europe, in Asia, and you start building momentum and qualifying times. That's how people get to know who is their competition in the sport. And by the time he came to the Seoul Olympics, his technique was so effective that he was the favorite. So he faced immense pressure. Can you imagine all eyes on you in the stadium? Now, despite this, he maintained his focus. So think about you being stressed, being under pressure of trading. You know that, hey, I'm totally relaxed, but the moment I enter a live trade, my heart starts racing. What can you do to practice relaxation so that you are in the flow rather than feeling wired, rather than feeling like you you have so much nervous energy? Or for some people, it might be the opposite. You feel that you're freezing, that you're hesitating. So think about your nervous system and how you can actually optimize and soothe your nervous system so that you're making the technique work for you. Okay. Lesson number five, acceptance of failure. Of course, Berkhoff, like every other athlete, you don't win every single race that you run. (laughs) He faced disappointments. So for example, in the previous round of Olympics, he didn't even qualify. Can you imagine if he thought to himself then, yeah, maybe swimming is not for me. Maybe I should just quit. Can you imagine? No, instead, He used the setback as an opportunity to refine his technique, to do something different, right? So how can you use your setbacks as an opportunity to actually embrace the loss as part of the learning process? Now, use this phrase, and this is gold, my friends. If anything out of this whole podcast season, this will help you. If you ain't winning, you are learning. I'm going to repeat myself again. If you ain't winning, you are learning, right? Don't use the word losing. It doesn't help your brain. It's winning or learning. Number six, adaptability and flexibility. So the way Berkhoff thought about things, he was willing to think outside the box because his underwater technique was unconventional, which is why it was innovative, (laughs) right? He wasn't just doing what every other swimmer was doing. And that's why it was effective because he was willing to think outside the box. So he was adaptable and flexible. So in your case, 
how are you remaining adaptable when things don't run your way? Are you going, oh yeah, no, I'm still sticking to my guns because I'm so determined I'm going to win. And when you say win in your mind, it means I'm going to prove that I'm right. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to get out now. I'm going to evaluate what went wrong, what I can do better and make sure that I do better next time. So think about this. What are you trying to prove? Are you going to accept the fact that you didn't do well this time and tweak your technique and be adaptable and go, okay, lesson learned, move on. Or are you going to remain rigid? And for my traders, for my clients, I like to use this analogy. I say, look, are you the willow being flexible to bend in strong winds? Or are you determined to be this oak tree to stand up proud and then when the strong winds come, you break? Lesson number seven, emotional control. Oh, you guys, you know this is my favorite. <laughs> so David Burkhoff maintained focus and control and he didn't let his emotions interfere with his technique. Now, we are all human. We are messy humans with messy personal lives and things can happen and we do not want to eliminate emotions altogether. They are not a weakness. They are there for a reason, right? They help us survive. They help us bond. But what can you do to actually optimize and leverage your emotions? Number one, your emotions give you information. And that's why you can actually observe your behaviors, right? Gain awareness. Number two, you can process your emotions and then think, huh, this is what my nervous system and my brain and body is telling me. So this is what I need right now. I'm going to learn the skill. I'm going to learn how to process these emotions. And then you know what? The other swimmers, guess what? They're human too. But if they haven't learned the skill and I have, I have leverage. I have the upper hand. So traders, we all know. The markets are driven by emotions, buyers and sellers, demand and supply. It's all psychology. So if you can maintain and process and regulate your emotions, you have the upper hand, whereas other traders are going to buy and sell haphazardly, which means you have more options, literally. <laughs> Lesson number eight, patience and persistence. So think about this, 1984 and then 1988, Burkhoff had years to perfect his technique. You know, so many traders, I keep hearing the same thing over and over again. It's like, I've been at this for a year now. I've been at this for two years now. Why am I not profitable? I mean, seriously, how long do you think a doctor trains or a surgeon trains? How long do you think a barrister or an attorney trains? And in fact, let's say, like for me, for example, I come from a Chinese background and I learn Mandarin. Mandarin is not an alphabet. Mandarin is a pictogram. Now, if I want to learn Arabic or Russian, Arabic script, or the Cyrillic alphabet, how long do you think it's going to take me before I become fluent? It's going to take years. <laughs> right? So think about your expectations. Are your expectations realistic in terms of the timeline? Now, again, it's going to be a hell of a lot more enjoyable if you focus on the process and you make it fun for yourself. For example, using flashcards, right, for languages or the app Duolingo. These things make it more fun so it's less of a chore along the way. 
If you only focus on the end result, you are going to stump yourself. You are going to prevent yourself because perfection is the enemy of progress. Lesson number nine, mentorship and guidance. So Berkhoff, like most professional athletes, had a coach. And this coach helped him refine his technique and mental approach. Traders, we all know how isolating an activity trading can be. Do you have guidance? Do you have somebody, a mentor who's more experienced from you, right? Who has done the thing that you want to do? Do you have a community? And I want to give you a warning about community, right? Like, you know, when people talk about a bad apple, you don't want the rotten apple to be mixing around with the good apples because sooner or later, the good apples will also start to rot. This is what happens when you don't curate a community, when you don't filter the people that you surround yourself with. Because if other traders start saying really negative, very downward, spiraling kind of thoughts like, I've lost, yes, I haven't done this, I've lost this much from account, oh my goodness, I just feel so hopeless, this is not going to help you. Make sure you curate the community. Make sure you get somebody who inspires you, who motivates you, who helps guide you, and who doesn't tell you to get rid of your emotions. That's a warning sign. But please, please, please think very carefully on who you mix with, especially for trading. And last but not least, continuous improvement. So even after achieving success, Berkhoff continued to refine his technique and the training methods. And this also applies to us and to every other area of your life. Always think that, hey, there's room for improvement. And think about, are you having fun? That's equally important. Now, the way Berkhoff and the whole idea of what he did in sport was remarkable because, number one, he took strategic advantage over his competitors. He found a technique where even though physically, anatomically, he wasn't like greatly advantaged, he did this in terms of technique instead. And number two, he broke tradition. Normally, swimmers surface immediately after they deal a turn in the pool. Instead, he defined the norm. He decided to push the boundaries and think outside the box of what was considered permissible under rules at that time. Because nobody at that time said you couldn't do it. So he goes, hmm, why not? He was willing to do something different. Again, he had the advantage back then because there were no restrictions on the distance swimmers could stay submerged after a turn at that time. So that was a loophole. And he really leveraged and maximized that loophole to the limit. And because of this, he had a profound impact on the sport. He revolutionized backstroke swimming. And if you look at things now and competitions now, you get to see everybody is doing this. They really max out the time they can underwater after each turn before surfacing. Why? Because of the Berkhoff blastoff. That was how effective it was. And really, the main story behind this is inspiration. That even though you didn't start off remarkable, even though you started off totally ordinary, you didn't seem to be exceptional. But you can go from ordinary to extraordinary by thinking outside the box. So friends, I hope this episode was useful and I'll see you again next week. Bye.